Hello creatives, Jay here, and you are listening to episode 14 of 99% Perspiration. We are a weekly podcast bringing you interviews and advice with today's creative and artistic professionals so that you can get the confidence and the know-how to turn your creative calling into a career. And now I say the thing. There is no the thing. When you're young, you should explore any interest you have fully. Spend a few years at it, right? Get good at it and then follow another interest. Where all your interests intersect is where you are. That's where your unique stamp that you're gonna put on the world lives. That's the one thing. It's the intersection of all the other you're interested in, you know? And if I would have just realized that. Jamie Benson is a dancer, choreographer, instructor, and marketing professional based in New York City. His interview is teeming with advice for people interested in dance, other forms of artwork, and how to sell yourself effectively, which is so important for creative types. You know, the more people you talk to about an idea that you've got, the more likely it is you'll come across people who will say, oh, so-and-so will help you with getting that venue. Make notes of, of people that you might be able to use further down the line, people of influence. You, you just never know, and hope, hopefully people will refer you on. Anne Tai is the Creative Industries Development Manager at Sunderland City Council. Her work oversees managing many creative and artistic projects in the city, including Split Festival, Creative Cohesion, setting up the Pop Rex record store, and most recently the Sunderland Shorts Film Festival last weekend. And our music this week is from the Sunderland-based band Lilliput. They're featured on a few episodes of 99% so far, including an interview with lead singer-guitarist Joe back in episode 5. But because they performed at the Sunderland Shorts Film Festival last weekend, it was only right to give you another chance to have a listen to them. If you want to find us online, you can head to our website, 99podcast.com. We've got a Facebook group. Just search for 99% Perspiration on Facebook. And also on Twitter, we are at 99podcast. Please do get involved, join in the conversations, and I want to hear your feedback. It's so important that you get out of us what you need to. So any feedback, please do let me know. Let's jump straight in. My name's Jamie Benson. I am a dancer, choreographer, and instructor with a passion for marketing and the creativity that goes into that. I've been around for a while, <laughs> I don't know. I'm an art school dropout that um, kind of got lost with what he was gonna do with himself early through his 20s. And after being in a lot of productions that lacked sort of creativity or didn't stimulate me, I started doing it for myself. Uh, and I have this weird sort of audacious, irreverent, slightly subversive brand of like dance comedy, I would say. Yeah, I try to give uh, a mass audience access points to dance and like a cultural setting, which is partly why I got roped in the whole community dance thing. Uh, yeah, and then somehow I now facilitate, you know, non-dancers with professional dance experiences, which apparently there's a market for. What I love about dance is I'm a communication whore. I want to be a public speaker. I write. I dance. I like talking. So that's how I got into it, I think. And I love nonverbal communication as much as what we're doing now. But I think a problem with dance, especially in like a fine art setting, 
is that it's more fun to do than it is to watch sometimes. My voice gets quieter because I feel like I'm being really blasphemous by saying this. But I absolutely think it's true. And I think that's partly why within the cultural sphere of dance, you have dancers coming to watch other dancers dance. And that's it. It's like this endless cycle. And then there's this academic quality that's blended in with like modern dance and like more fine arts of dance. Um, and you have all these people trying to sound intelligent afterwards about what they saw and less about what they felt. Like it doesn't, it's not impactful. And I think if you're a dancer, you have a, an agenda for being at a dance event and like talking about dance afterwards to people that may be able to help you or work with you in the future. And I, so I don't know if I like the dance scene. In fact, I've defined myself as like a dance misfit. I actually don't like the scene very much. Don't like how insular it is. I'm somewhere in between the sort of entertainment realms of dance and like the fine art realm of dance. I find like entertainment dance, like music videos, a little shallow, like boring and repetitive. Like how many times do I have to see you dance in a way where in your mind you're trying to show us how cool you are? Like who cares? You know, your sexy ass was on a toilet an hour before you shot this video. Why are you trying to give me, it feels pretentious. But then the flip side, the fine art is pretentious too, because they're trying to show you how deep and how thoughtful they are. I don't know, I'm so tired of seeing dances about like climate change or, you know, there's some pretense of like, well, my art matters because it's making a statement about fill in the blank cause. And you know what, dance actually isn't the best platform to change the world on how they use their recyclables or like, dance expresses simple ideas, I think, that can be profound. So my work, I'm rambling, my work probably, uh, again, it's trying to create, because I'm in between entertainment and fine arts, I'm trying to create access points for a, like a larger audience that may not understand dance and it's more cultural. And that's partly how I got roped into dragging in uh, amateurs and non-dancers into like having that experience, like flipping the, the witness, the few witnesses that like dance that aren't dancers, I'm trying to give them a platform to feel what that feels like um, and engage them more fully. And that's how we met, actually. So I was walking along the Hudson River while I was in New York, and there were these six women dancing by the riverside, like this strange, stylized, staccato performance. And uh, they asked me to record a video of them dancing, and then they told me about their performance. And uh, so the live show that night by the Riverside featured 100 dancers from various different walks of life. And Jamie had been working on this project. It was called The 100s. It's ridiculously competitive and heartbreaking. In fine arts and in entertainment, it's highly competitive in maybe slightly different ways. Even though I am a white male, so I have to account for some privilege, I had no money, I did not come from wealth, and you actually need a lot of money to be a dancer seriously. So I didn't get to take class every day, you have to take class every day to train the body to do things that it normally wouldn't do. Uh, so I didn't have the money for that, I had no network, no mentors, no pedigree, no fancy school, no network, and uh, that's hard. It's, it's just like any other business, you do need those things. But like, even if I got a job dancing in an opera, being third dancer from the left and getting paid a little for it, it's not cost efficient either to be a dancer because it still doesn't pay for the class you have to take every day or the new headshots or, there were so many times I would try to go take class and these young, these 22 year olds are driving, like screeching into the parking lot with personalized license plates. This is while Jamie was in LA. 
and taking class every day, getting really connected with the instructors and the institutions, and then they would go to the cattle call auditions, and then the choreographers would be hiring them, those same people that they've seen in class and like that they've worked with before. And like, although I was naturally gifted, it's still pretty insular. Um, and even though I was really good, like I could go to a cattle call audition and get make it through several cuts, I still didn't have quite that edge that I needed because if I didn't have a network, I needed to be able to kick my leg over my head higher than the person next to me or whatever. Do more tricks. Like sometimes you go to a cattle call audition and they'd be like, okay, everyone take your shirts off. Like that might be how they start. On a pedestrian level, I'm like mildly attractive, but like you put me next to people with personal trainers and that dance every day, it looks a little different. Or like you go to an audition and they'd be like, okay, everyone do your best gymnastic pass across the floor. Like that's where they'd start the audition. I didn't have any of those tricks. So it's really competitive, it's really hard, and it's really heartbreaking. I have gotten grants before. So like here, l let me be candid. On paper, I look relatively legit after painstakingly crafting a place for myself. I get grants, I get a lot of press. I My films, I've made like only three films and they've all been in festivals internationally. But that doesn't change like my quality of life much. Like. The grants don't have to pay for the full production, so I'm putting into that. The prestige of getting press and uh, uh, being in international films doesn't really link me to like larger possibilities. It should, and it can, and then the rest is just begging and being resourceful and crowdfunding. My advice to young people is I wish that I would have explored my other interests more when I was younger, outside of dance. Because I remember as I was younger, I always wanted to, I only wanted to spend time on the thing. What's the big purpose of my life? What's the ultimate plan? And of course, no one knows that at age whatever, 20. And so like, I was always interested in marketing, but I was like, but that's not the thing. And then even dance though, I was like, well, what am I doing with dance? I can't make money off that. I, you know, I don't know, I was always, trying to only put attention onto the the thing. And now I say the thing. There is no the thing. When you're young, you should explore any interest you have fully. Spend a few years at it, right? When, you're, you, when you can afford the years, when you're younger. Spend a few years, get good at it, and then follow another interest. Because what I'm finding out now, in my old age, I'm using quote fingers, because in dance I'm old. Where all your interests intersect is where you are. That's where you're unique stamp that you're going to put on the world lives. That's the one thing. It's the intersection of all the other shit you're interested in, you know? And if I would have just realized that, if I would have known, if I would have had a mentor or anyone, I had no guidance at all. That's what I want to share with people, that it's you're the intersection of all your interests and you need to explore them, flesh them out and gain skills in all of them. And then you'll realize your weird, unique place in the world. Because what I find is even if you spend all your time just with dance, try to go to class and meet the right people and be part of the big institutions, get the big loans, whatever, they're all saying the same thing often. Those people that are presenting dance that just had that sort of singular focus, they don't bring anything unique into it at all. And you have, and dare I say it, like modern dance is just rife with, it's so whitewashed. Like it's all just like ultimately a bunch of white women saying the same things to each other very insular and it's very redundant and not breaking through to like a larger audience or making any impact. 
And I think what everyone wants to do is make an impact, you know, in the world. That's why I got into marketing, because I do think there's a way to do that through understanding your brand and promoting it properly. If the idea itself is interesting, and then you use the, you know, the tech and the interesting process um, to build it, then you can get funding and press and make a larger impact. Internationally, there's something called Dancing Opportunities. That's a good one. I checked that one out for global opportunities, residencies, grants, all that jazz. And then in New York, Dance NYC, they're an advocate that have a lot of listings. And then I always say join every email list. Like my Gmail gets maxed out. I'm on so many lists, which is good because it'll just come into your inbox. They'll send you the opportunities instead of you like having to sort of race around looking, digging. If you join the email list of these different things as you run across them, you can just check them out as they come into your inbox. And our inboxes live so close to us because they're often in our hands. So that's the easiest way to do it. But like uh, local arts councils, they offer funding for the creatively inclined and usually have some sort of individual funding opportunity, which is hard because most funding opportunities are for nonprofits. But what if working as a nonprofit could be useful for your creative venture? Here's the sort of funding bodies Jamie recommends. My advice is to get a fiscal sponsor, which you can do through something like Fractured Atlas, Pentacle. You get them to represent you as a nonprofit, and then if you get money that is only eligible to nonprofits, it filters through them. They take a little cut off the top, they take the frosting off the cake, and then you get the cake, you get the, the bulk of the funding. Highly recommend doing that, because running a nonprofit is just such a pain in the ass. Oh, I live and die by my Google Calendar, so like, as the opportunities get put into my inbox, I siphon them through, see what sounds possible for me to do, and then even in Gmail, there's usually an option to click the date that something is due. Uh, my phone is literally giving me alerts, so I'm checking the Google Calendar every day, and it's all just filters all into there, and that's the only way I get anything done, because there's so many deadlines. What's great about New York and the world with certain resources, there's so much, there's so many opportunities. Yes, you'll get rejected nine times out of 10, but then that 10th time, you get this thing that helps facilitate this bigger landmark in your life. I almost give up. Oh. I work so hard, I kill myself, I write all these proposals, I raise all this money, I just get through this hard production, then I do another one and another one, and I keep getting rejected. And then what happens is they give you that $5,000 grant. It's like these little breadcrumbs that hopefully are leading to your own gingerbread house of some kind. Um, and so just when you think you're kind of like over it, they give you a little bit more. And just when you, you trial and error, failure, 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 and then you get a bunch of press for a thing. And you're like, oh, it's hard, but the breadcrumbs do get bigger, I've noticed, as I go on. So it, feels like it's leading somewhere, you do have to hold out. You just have to, you have to starve yourself a little bit and eventually you get that next bread roll and it satiates you for like, and you, until you're starving again. And then you have to, I think when you start to starve, emotionally, psychologically, probably physically, because you don't have money to eat, as soon as you know you're starting to starve, you know something good's about to happen. That's my experience, because that's when, just when I think I've had enough, or I'm about to starve to death, they get another thing.
and it's always a little better than the last one. If you're not just obsessed, just let it go. Let it go. I do obsess and I, I'm just like crawling towards success. I, and I, I definitely am getting there, but I'm obsessed. Like I have tabs open on my computer right now to webinars I have yet to learn about like marketing automation funnels in order to like build an audience, you know, an authentic audience of people that give a shit about what you're doing and that get something out of it. And I am just crawling. And I mean, every day I'm working on it and I'm crawling. So in, unless you have that obsession to like every day be thinking and like writing things you have to remember to do later, like unless you're doing that, you should just let it go. Don't stop. And someday I hope to have created the freedom on like a Tim Ferriss level. Do you know the book, The 4-Hour Workweek? The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss is all about what it sounds, reducing down your number of hours and capitalizing on your work time. Ferris was nominated as one of Fast Company's most innovative business people of 2007, but Jamie finds inspiration from a lot of creative types. Anyone that's figured out who they are and learns how to self-generate content and stuff that's truthful to them that people recognize and like, it fulfills them in some way, like they recognize it and builds a large following that way. Alongside the dance and choreography, Jamie is an account executive at Trent and Company Public Relations, and these two industries dovetail his PR work allowing his choreography, his PR work allowing his choreography, his dance, and his instruction to thrive. I've always had an interest in, I think because I've always felt so obscure, that I've always had this interest of like, how do you be heard above the deafening roar of the internet. I've painstakingly over years like researched webinars and seminars and summits and ebooks and all the different forms people have to communicate and try to get people interested in them. I've done done them all and uh, have learned to sort of be heard uh, and that comes in handy. Everyone needs some kind of PR expert nowadays whether it's for their like blog, Etsy store, if they want to write and anything that anyone wants people to know about, anyone <laughs> that does anything that they want others to know about, there has to be some element of PR, otherwise it's a waste of time and nobody has any more of that. So uh, I've become an authority in pestering the masses about different arts happenings. It takes a, long, a lot of time to try to get people to forcibly look at you and like see your worth, which I think is what PR is. I guess I've described it as like a bridge from your best ideas and most ideal self to the audience that would most benefit from it. And that sounds simple, but it takes a lot of different arms of the beast and a lot of chasing your tail for a bit in order to kind of find out how and where that is. Now, as much as I love getting people on 99% perspiration that are full of ridiculously good advice, I always end up wishing I could fit it all into an entire episode. You'll be hearing more from Jamie Benson, that's for sure. Uh, if not in a future episode, then definitely on 99podcast.com. Which is where I post extra content that didn't make it into the main podcast and extra articles as well. Jamie was amazing and really inspirational to chat to. 
If you're interested in finding out more about Jamie, seeing his dance work online, his choreography, you can find him and his dance videos online, jamiebenson.com or on Twitter at jamiebenson. You're about to hear from Anne Tai, the Sunderland City Council's Creative Industries and Development Manager. Now, I'll be honest, editing this together was a teeny bit soul-destroying because all the way through I kept getting annoyed at that little clicking sound. You might hear it a few times, I tried to get rid of it in most places. Um, basically, I was using a lapel microphone, it was knocking against a necklace and I didn't have headphones so I didn't catch it. Uh, my bad, completely my fault. But on the last week's episode of 99% Perspiration, Claire Jenkins from independent radio production company Pennine Productions assured me that we all make mistakes from time to time and they're a natural part of any creative career. Okay, so I know I'm not off the hook, but um, hopefully you'll find the interview useful. Here's Anne Tai. I'm based in the economic development function of Sunderland City Council. It's all about supporting local businesses and bringing them into the city, supporting inward investment, helping them to grow, providing them with as much as we can really in terms of what they need. Sometimes it's based on grant funding, sometimes it's based on appropriate workspace, sometimes it's about providing networking opportunities. It can be anything and everything. And in my line of work, because I specialise on the creative industry side of things, the, kind of, the problems that I get to deal with can be really quite eclectic and challenging so I can find myself doing anything from supporting um, a music event so I, I was very close to Split Festival in 2014 when we got it, uh, sorry 2013 when we got it into Mowbray Park and that was a challenge but we got there um, originally the, the uh, original uh, Poprex project was my project helping them to get into that building and kitting it out for them and this year, the big project, of course, is Sunderland Shorts Film Festival. And that's where I met Anne. Um, after helping review some of the films over the past few months, I was lucky to be invited to go along and take photos of the launch night last Saturday. It was a great night, set in the Sunderland Minster, really beautiful. And of course, Lilliput performed there too, the band whose uh, music is featured in this episode. Only two films, only two of them, set me off in tears. One of them called Max. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was, oh, I had to go out of the room. It was so sad. For me, it was a great night, despite the tears. But um, for Anne Tai, it had been a few months of intense planning. I don't know whether we were just foolish or uh, thought, yeah, we can do this. But we hadn't expected to find ourselves with only five and a half months to bring it to fruition. We did a launch in uh, early January at the Media Centre of the University over on, on St Peter's campus, which went down really well and we got the feedback that said, yeah, this is really interesting. We kind of think we'd like to see this. So we pushed the button. But the time scale of it was uh, very much dictated by our relationship with DC Shorts. How the idea came about was that we have this friendship agreement with Washington DC of which we're very proud, rightly so. It's linked to the fact that Washington Old Hall in Washington is the ancestral home of George Washington, first president of the United States. And we are the only non-capital city in the world to have been afforded a, a friendship agreement with Washington DC. And it is well known that we work the hardest at our friendship agreement. So we're rightly very proud of it, I have to say. 
but as a result of that, because John Gann of DC Shorts, we got to know John and we got to know about DC Shorts. And we had many conversations, John and I, over the years, sitting in the back of a car or, you know, having a wine at a welcoming party or something like that. So that's, that's how it all started, really. So the link to DC Shorts, through, through those conversations and linking what we're doing in Sunderland now to DC Shorts, the link is that our award winners will be screened at DC Shorts. It's been hectic, but everyone's been fantastic. We've had the most amazing support. It's just been wonderful. Everybody's been, been really helpful, really supportive. And, and the team beneath me, from our media team to our programming team, Reb's on project management, Hannah on managing the volunteers, Matt and Beth on the branding, the design, the website, all of that stuff have been amazing. And I think we've come out of it looking way more professional and slick and super than uh, we really, you know, thought we, thought we would. But I think judging by last night's opening event, um, it, just went, it just went so well. It was astonishing. The feedback was, was amazing. It was just wonderful. And the really best feedback, right towards the end of the evening, it must have been, gosh, well past 11 o'clock, I got talking to three of the visiting filmmakers, one of whom, Santiago, has travelled from Argentina. His film is screening, it's called Weeping Mountain, and it's absolutely wonderful. And he travelled all the way from Argentina. And then there was Glenn McKay, whose film See Me Now was screened last night. Um, and he's an Australian, but he's been living in, in, in the UK working. And I had a lovely conversation with them who, they, they were just blown away by it. And I, I said, how do we compare with other film festivals that you've been to? And Glenn McKay said, you know what? You've been so attentive to us. You've kept in touch. You've had great conversations with us over email. You've done your, you've really tried to make us feel welcome. And some film festivals just don't tell you till the last minute. They say, oh yeah, you're in the screening. Can you come and do a Q&A? By the way, it's in Japan and it's, next, and it's in two days' time on Saturday. That's just, that's just, that's how they treat you. That's really rude. And you've, you guys have been really friendly, really lovely. So next year we might call it the Friendly Sunderland Shorts Film Festival. <laughs> but the main thing I got talking about with Anne was networking. It's always been a central part of her career and something she believes is fundamental to working as a strong filmmaker, artist or a creative industry of any type. I think networking is, is massively important because you never know where a door will open. I think you should never lose an opportunity to go out to, to exhibition openings and to events and just try and you know, work out who's who in the room make notes of, of people that you might be able to use further down the line, people of influence. You, you just never know and hope, hopefully people will refer you on. You know, the more people you talk to about an idea that you've got, the more likely it is you'll come across people who will say, oh, so-and-so will help you with getting that venue. So-and-so will help you with talking to you about whether or not you need a license. And certainly, doing events of the size of, say, the Split Festival or, or in, indeed the Film Festival. There's a lot of legalities around it. You know, you're dealing with members of the public. So you have to understand um, 
not just about licensing, because film is a licensed event. You have to think about how uh, you're going to work out the classification of your films, because the short films tend not to be classified by the British Board of Film Classification. They're not like big blockbuster feature films. Um, and then there's how are you going to ensure the safety of your audience and the people that you're working with and you have to do event safety plans and site plans and to a first time they're an absolute nightmare um, because a lot of the questions may not there are generic forms a lot of the questions may not actually apply to what you're doing you just need a little bit of judgment and a little bit of guidance sometimes to get them through so if you're out there networking, if you're out there talking to lots of people, especially in, in where you are, where you live, you're going to get to know who, who to ask, what your process is um, about getting things off the ground and making things happen. To find out more about the Sunderland Shorts Film Festival, you can head to sunderlandshorts.co.uk or on Twitter, they are at sundshortfilm. I've really got to say a huge thank you to both Anne Ty and to Jamie Benson for being guests on this week's 99% Perspiration. Um, of course, there is extra material and we'll be posting that soon on 99podcast.com as extra content. To keep up to date with that, you can follow us on Twitter at 99podcast. And of course, thank you to Lilliput for, for the third time allowing us to use their music in the episode. Thank you, Lilliput. You are incredibly talented. And if you live around Sunderland or the Northeast, you should definitely check them out live. They are superb. Thank you for joining us on this episode of 99% Perspiration. And until next time. Stay productive. Stay awesome. Uh, hi, my name is Jamie Benson, and I encourage you to stay productive, stay awesome.